Good morning, church. It is a good morning. What a special day in the life of our church. Thank you, Jonathan, for bringing some Kleenexes to me this morning. A very special day in the life of our church. As we have the privilege of setting apart and sending dear saints to start a new expression of the bride. It's a day that's filled with mixed emotions. Sad and excited. I've been looking forward to today and dreading today. I'm grieving already not being able to spend time with so many dear friends week in and week out. And in the same moment, absolutely pumped about the challenge that is before each of us to extend the gospel in both communities. And so it's a day of mixed emotions. This morning is going to be a bit different than our typical Sundays, not the least of which the sermon will not be an hour long. We'll have a bit shorter sermon, and then we'll move into a time of commissioning. I want to spend some time this morning in Psalm 96, so if you've got your Bibles, and I do hope that you do, turn to Psalm 96. This psalm holds a special place in my heart, because the only time in 25 years of pastoral ministry that I ever set aside a prepared sermon on the morning I was going to preach it was in the trailers next to us about 15 years ago. I don't even remember the specific occasion. I don't remember exactly what was going on in the life of our church. But I know that it was a time in which God had shown up in a very powerful way for us and done something amazing through us. And I just had the impression within an hour of standing up to preach, that he wanted us to spend that morning giving him the glory and giving him the credit. And so he led me to Psalm 96, and we just spent some time that morning giving glory to God. And I can't think of a more appropriate thing for us to do this morning than that. To give God all of the glory for all that he has done for us, all that he has done in us, in leading us to take this step today of commissioning these families to be sent out from us to start a brand new church. To God be the glory. But Psalm 96 does more than that. It gives us our why. Why should these families uproot themselves from what they know and what is comfortable in exchange for what they don't know and what is uncomfortable? Why should we who remain make the sacrifices that we'll be called upon to make in the days ahead in order to make this happen? 
Why should we who remain when we gather next week without our friends? And as we experience some of the financial strain that we're sure to experience because of a smaller budget, and as we find ourselves putting more time, more energy, more effort into serving in the days, weeks, and months ahead, what is our why? Well, this passage gives us our why. So let's read Psalm 96 together and let's see it and let's relish in it for a few moments this morning. The psalmist writes, Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens be glad. And let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord, for he comes. For he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. Let's pray. Gracious and almighty God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for all that you have done over these short 15 years in the life of this church to bring us to this place where we have the privilege, the honor of setting apart your servants to begin a new expression of your son's bride. Truly, Lord, to you be the glory. And may your glory, Father, may the declaration of your glory among the peoples be the fuel in our tank as we seek to be faithful to you in the days ahead. We ask this in faith, in Jesus' name. Amen. Our why, our why is that God is all glorious. Our God is a God of glory, and He deserves our sacrifices. However significant they may be, He deserves every single one of them and more. In the days ahead for both the senders and those who are being sent. When it gets difficult, 
when you grow weary and tired, when you are grieving relationships in the days ahead and you're just sad, remind yourselves that you're doing this for the glory of God. And he deserves it. And he is absolutely delighted and pleased by your sacrifices to make his son's name famous wherever you are. But the why gets refined for us in this psalm in a way that helps to reinforce the particular activity that we're doing today. As we set apart and commission these folks to go out from us and begin a new expression of the bride of Christ. Because Psalm 96 not only tells us that it's all about God's glory, but it also gives us his target. And the target is the nations. We see that all throughout this psalm. He says, all the earth, all the nations, all the peoples, It's repeated all throughout this psalm, and it shows us and declares to us that God's heart is for all the peoples, all nations. And when he says nations there, he's not talking about geopolitical boundaries and countries of which there are less than 200 in the world, but rather ethno-linguistic people groups of which there are thousands in the world. And the aim of God's heart And the target of his redemptive purposes is all nations, all peoples. We saw this all the way back with Abraham. Those of you who are with us when we walk through the book of Genesis. We saw this in the very beginning when God called Abraham and promised him that there is coming one from your lineage that will bless all the families of the earth, all peoples. And we saw that fulfilled in Jesus. And we saw it fulfilled in Jesus' words in the Great Commission when he said, go and make disciples of all nations. And of course, when we walk through Revelation together, we saw the consummation of that promise in Revelation 7. When John is given the vision of heaven and he sees a multitude that no one could number, a people from all nations, all peoples, all tribes, and all languages gathered around the throne singing, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. The aim of God's heart And the target of his redemptive work in the gospel has been and always will be the nations, all peoples, and ours should be as well. And Psalm 96 not only tells us that this is the case, but it also tells us what we are to do with respect to the nations. Three things, briefly. First of all, he tells us that we are to declare God's glory to the nations. We're to tell the world, all the peoples, about our great and glorious God. Look at verses 2 and 3. He says, sing to the Lord, bless his name, tell of what? Tell of his salvation 
from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. And so what are we to do? We are to tell of his salvation. We're to declare his glory among the nations. We're to tell of his marvelous works, what he's done, and most predominantly what he has done in the gospel among all the peoples. And down in verse 10, first part of that verse, he says, Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. You see, no matter where they are, no matter where they live, the nations need to know that there is one true and living God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and that he alone reigns, and that he alone is all-glorious. This is what we are to do among and to the nations. We are to declare his glory and tell of his marvelous works. But not only are we to declare that God is glorious, secondly, we are also to invite the nations to join us in glorifying God. That's what the psalmist writes about. In verse 1, Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. All of the earth is to sing to the Lord. And then look at verses 7 through 9. He says, ascribe to the Lord. That word ascribe means to give to someone what is due them, what they deserve. Give, give to them what they've earned. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. And so he's addressing the nations here. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory, do his name, bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness, tremble before him all the earth. And so we're to declare the reality that God is glorious and he deserves all of our worship. But on top of that, we are to call on the nations to join us in worshiping this glorious God, to join us in glorifying God. We're to call on them to believe, to repent, to stop worshiping their worthless gods, and to worship the one true and living God. And this means holding out the gospel to a lost world so that they might see Jesus, so that they might see Jesus and his finished work on the cross and turn from their sin and believe on Christ and be saved and be rescued. Because this one true and living God exalts Jesus as Lord. Remember the words of Paul when he wrote to the church at Philippi in Philippians 2 verses 9 through 11. He says, therefore God, this this God of all glory, this God of whom we are to tell the nations of his glory and strength and power and his marvelous works, this God who is all glorious, Paul says, has highly exalted him who is him. It's Jesus. 
Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We're not only to declare that God is a God of all glory to the nations, and we are not only to invite them now, to, to, to summon them to join us in giving God glory, but thirdly, we are to warn them of the coming judgment. We're to warn them of the coming judgment. Look at verse 5 in the psalm. He writes, For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. The gods that the nations are worshiping are worthless idols. In other words, warn them that they are wasting their time. They are wasting their breath. That there is a God who made the heavens, who alone deserves their worship. And then he tells us in verses 10 through 13, say among the nations. What, what are we to say among the nations? He tells us, the Lord reigns. Yahweh reigns. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob reigns. He sits on the throne. He reigns. He goes on. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. They need to know that he reigns, but they also need to know that he's coming and that he will judge when he does come. He continues on, verses 11 through 13. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that it fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord, for he comes. In other words, creation rejoices at the prospect that the God who made them is coming back. That he will return. Creation rejoices at that. But at his return, he will also bring judgment. Verse 13 continues, for he comes to judge the earth. This is what we're to say to the nations. He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. And so we're to declare his glory to the nations, church. And we're to invite them to join us in glorifying the one true and living God. Because, thirdly, they are depending on worthless gods and idols. And the one true and living God is their only hope. And so we warn them of the coming judgment. We warn them of the coming judgment and that this one true and living God is their only hope to escape that judgment through repentance of their sins and trusting in faith in Jesus Christ, his son, his substitutionary death on the cross and his victorious resurrection from the dead. So this is our why, church, as we move forward. This is our why. Not just for the glory of God, but for the glory of God and the everlasting joy of all peoples. Church, our marching orders as the people of God are explicit. They're not vague. They're not ambiguous. They are black and white on the pages of Scripture. And we've looked at our marching orders many, many times as spoken by our Savior, our Redeemer, in the Great Commission in Matthew 28, 18 
through 20. And church, we could never, we could never return to these words too often. Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And I am with you always to the very end of the age. And what I want us to see is that in these words of Jesus, in these marching orders from our King, these commands are not given in a vacuum. They're not isolated commands. But rather, they are in line with what we know to be the very aim of God's heart and the very target of his redemptive purposes in the gospel from the very beginning. We, why, why ought we go and make disciples of all nations? Not simply because Jesus said so, certainly that's part of it, but also because this is what God has been after in us from the very beginning, all along. To do what? To declare his glory among the nations. And then inviting the nations to join his people in that same worship. Because the gods that they're trusting in are no gods at all. But rather there is one true and living God. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And though mankind had rebelled against this God. And mankind because of his rebellion stood condemned before this God. Still this one true and living God made a way for sinful mankind like us to be reconciled back to him, to be made whole, to be forgiven and justified. And that way is through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we are to declare his glory among the nations by telling the nations of the glory of God in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And church, this is our why. And I would further argue that our marching orders in the Great Commission assume the, the, the need for and, and, and require our engagement in church planting. In fact, we can say without equivocation that we cannot fulfill the Great Commission without planting churches. He says, go and make disciples. I suppose we could say that if he had said, go and make converts, we perhaps might envision that this is mildly possible without the church. But he didn't say that. He said, go and make disciples, those who will learn from, those who will follow after, and those who will be formed into the likeness of King Jesus. This necessitates that there be churches, local gatherings of believers, in and through which they are fed the word of God, the very thing they must have if they are to become growing and maturing and multiplying disciples. It necessitates that we make sure that there are churches where there are new converts. Secondly, he says, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. 
And we believe that a biblical understanding of baptism, again, necessitates that there be churches that do the baptizing and affirm those who are baptized. We talk about it often when we baptize folks, that you're baptized not just in identifying with Jesus, but you're identifying with his people, the church. And then lastly, he says in the Great Commission, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Again, this happens most naturally, most organically, most logically in the context of the body of Christ, the church. And so if we are to fulfill our responsibility in the Great Commission, then we must maintain a focus on church planting, planting new churches through which we declare the glory of God among the nations and invite them by holding out the gospel to them to join us in glorifying God. Because he deserves not just our worship, but he deserves the worship of the nations, all peoples. And so we set apart and we send and we plant. Like the very first church that existed on record outside of Jerusalem, a city that found itself in a church that found itself in a city which ironically is also named Antioch. Like them, today we have the privilege of setting apart these families, these elders, to plant Antioch Church in Jackson County. And we do it for the glory of God and the joy of all peoples. Let's pray. I thank you so much. On behalf of my brothers and sisters, Father, we return thanks to you for the innumerable ways in which your sovereign provision has come through for this faith family time and time and time again. Far too many to enumerate but we are convinced beyond any hint of equivocation that you are the one who has done it all. And so you deserve all glory and all credit for everything that happens. And Father, may our insistence on your glory being the thing that has fueled us to this day May that continue to be the fuel in our tanks as we look towards tomorrow. Whether we are the ones who are being sent, Father, as they seek to reach Jackson County for Jesus, Father, may your glory be their driving impulse. And Father, for us who remain, Father, would you break our hearts over the lost all around us. And Father, may the glory of your name and the fame of your son Jesus be the driving motivation in us as well as we seek to be faithful. For you deserve it all, Lord. And we do it for you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. At this time, I'd like to call on the 
elders to go ahead and come up on the stage with me. If you guys will stand over here to my right. Um, I want to ask you guys to come on up, including the elder, the, those who are going to be serving as elders at um, Antioch. We're going to have a time of commissioning these guys, these men who have faithfully served this flock. If I can have the, the guys that are going to be going off to Antioch, if you'll stand in front and the guys from New Branch and back, so Chris and Dan and Tyler and Matt and uh, Keith is celebrating his 40th anniversary, so he's not here today, but uh, we're going to be praying over these guys and commissioning them. These guys who have so faithfully served this flock, and pastored and shepherded this flock, to be sent out from us to shepherd the flock of God that after tonight's covenanting service will be called Antioch Church. And before we do that, I want to read just a couple of passages of Scripture. The first from Acts 13, I referenced this in passing just a moment ago, but the story of the church at Antioch and what God did in them and what, called, what God called them to do in sending out folks. Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Vanaean, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, and Saul, for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. The church at Antioch sent off their very best. And this morning we send off our very best as well. The context for that first commissioning was the gathered church. And so it's only appropriate this morning that in the context of this gathered church, this gathered faith family, we set apart those who will be going out from us. Paul and Barnabas were first set apart by the Holy Spirit. It was clear that the Holy Spirit is the one who set them apart. And through much prayer and through much congregational input and support, we are convinced, men, that the Holy Spirit has set you apart for this task as well, to shepherd this new flock as together they plant Antioch Church in Houston. And then after being set apart by the Holy Spirit, they laid hands on them and prayed for them and sent them off. And this is what we have the privilege of doing now as well. Just a couple of words of exhortation to you guys as we commission you. Tyler, first to you. I want to just offer a word of exhortation from the Apostle Paul as he passed the baton to his protege, young Timothy. And I think you'll know the passage. 2 Timothy chapter 4. Hear these words, Tyler, from us. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, 
preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. And they'll turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, and fulfill your ministry. Tyler, I am so proud of you, and I am so thankful for all that God has done in you. And I look at you and see a work of God's redeeming grace each and every time. And I am so thankful that you have put your name in the hat to be called upon to serve the Lord and his flock in this way. My exhortation to you is just what Paul's was to Timothy. Brother, preach the word. Preach the word. There will be days, there will be days when you might be tempted to compromise that. There will be itching ears where others will want to be scratched and you'll be tempted to scratch them. Brother, preach the word for your flock and for yourself. No matter how you feel, no matter where you are, when you are filling up and when you are in the depths of depression, preach the word. It's what you need, and it's what your flock must have. Preach the word. And then to the rest of you guys, Chris, Dan, Matt, and Tyler, I want to read to you. We've read this many times in our elder meetings and considered the, the call of the apostle Peter on the flock, on the elders of the flock. First Peter 5, the first few verses. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being an example to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Shepherd the flock, men, as you have done so faithfully with this flock. We now charge you and commission you to do the same for the flock that will covenant together tonight as Antioch Church. I've only got one commissioning question to put before you this morning as we commission you. And I think I know the answer that you'll give. Men, brothers, having faithfully executed the office of elder, having faithfully completed your service as pastors of this flock, will you now, with God's help, endeavor to faithfully, carefully, and diligently shepherd the flock of God that will be under your care 
after tonight's service. Brothers, it's been an unspeakably and thoroughly joy-filled honor and privilege to serve alongside you. Thank you for holding up my arms so many times and allowing me the privilege of holding up yours. It's been an honor to serve with you and together with the rest of these elders now and the covenant members of this church, we now commission you and send you to do the same with this block. So guys, let's lay hand on them and I've asked Bob if he would offer a word of prayer as we commission these guys. Our Father, we are grateful for these men that you have set apart for this task. We know that, God, you are in this. We know that, God, as we've sung and as we've read already today, that you will go before them and that you will be with them. You will not leave them. You will not forsake them. And so I pray today you would give them courage. You would give them strength. You'd give them confidence in your word, confidence in your promises that they would lean hard into trusting you, Father. They would see you come through time and time again. God, I pray that you would unite their hearts together around the gospel and around the great commission that you're sending them out along with the people that they will be shepherding. I pray that they will love their people well. They'll shepherd with wisdom and with grace and with humility. God, I pray that they would be examples to their flock, that they would love their wives well even as Christ loves the church. They would be examples of how to parent their children, not perfect, but dependent upon you, trusting you, needing you, relying upon you and your grace to see their sons and their daughters walk with you. Father, we pray that um, you would just uh, give them the heart of their people and that together they would be uh, one body on mission under King Jesus seeing the gospel go forth in power in their community. Pray that they would pray hard, that they would work hard. I pray that they would sleep and rest in your sovereignty, completely trusting you in all of this. We pray that we would be able to rejoice with them for your glory that is going to be spread and that will continue to um, go forward in Jackson County. We're just so grateful, Father, for your hand upon these men and for your spirit that's within them. Please empower them to the task. God, equip them, encourage them, support them, and strengthen them, knowing that they have a church, a sister church here that loves them and prays for them and will continue to intercede for them. We ask, God, that you be glorified through them. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. As a tangible way this morning of expressing our unity in the gospel, a tangible way of expressing our thankfulness to God for all that he has done over the years in and through us, and for all that he's done at this church to bring us to the point, this point, and as an expression of our confidence that though Antioch tonight will covenant together and become an autonomous church, the reality is we all come from the same branch. We all come from the same tree. So 
So as an expression of that unity, we're going to, the elders are going to be putting their thumbprints on these prints up here. So guys, you can grab the, the ink down there. Green for those who remain at New Branch. Blue for those who are going to Antioch. The elders will be doing this right now. Um, you will have an opportunity to do this after the service um, and during the fellowship that we have after the service. We want both of these prints um, to be filled with blue and green thumbprints as an expression of our unity in the gospel and our bond in the Holy Spirit. And each of these will be given to the churches, framed and um, put up to display uh, to, to, as a commemoration of this day and a reminder of what God has done through us. So we're going to have a couple of guys that are going to come grab these and these prints will actually be out on the patio. And so as we dismiss in just a moment, we're going to totally transform this room with tables for our fellowship lunch. And so if you're not helping with that, go ahead and head back there and, and members, we want you to put your thumbprints on here. If you're remaining, green thumbprint. If you're being sent out, a blue thumbprint. So guys, now we want to reverse the tables here. And uh, we want to ask the, those who are being sent to pray over those who remain. And uh, so those who are remaining, let's gather in the front here. And I've asked Tyler if he would pray over us and pray over um, our church as we uh, send them. Before I do, um. let me just say, uh, like preachers are prone to hyperbole. I think I said this before, um, but there, I say all of this with no hyperbole. Uh, New Ranch Church has been the biggest influence on my spiritual life in 
23 years of walking with the Lord. New Branch Church has been the biggest influence on that. Um, so when I loved Jesus and wasn't really sure about his people, New Branch taught me to love the church. When I loved preaching, New Branch taught me to love pastoring. And when I thought I was too far for his grace, New Branch embodied that grace. And for that, I will be forever thankful. And uh, as I prayed, uh, families that are staying behind, let me just say, carry on, preach the Bible, make disciples. Let's pray. Father, we are thankful for your faithfulness to New Branch over the years. God, we are thankful for the simple vision, preach the Bible, make disciples that you gave to Ken as New Branch came together. God, we're thankful for the ways that you have taught, refined, used your word to chip away and, and make us a more and more faithful and biblical church so that Antioch can learn from New Branch and stand on New Branch's shoulders as we go forth to plant a church. God, we thank you for all the uncertain times where you've been faithful. I could go through so many. And Lord, you've come through for your church. Father, I do pray that you would comfort those that are staying behind as we have <clears throat> severed relationships that are just going to be different, Lord. I'm reminded myself this morning that next Sunday I won't have the Keiths singing behind me. I won't look down the row and see the Jenkins. Father, I pray that you would comfort those that stay. And Lord, that you would bless New Branch. Lord, I pray that as we see, as we even as New Branch mourns and grieves relationships that are gone and they see t uh, empty chairs next week, Lord, I pray that you would see, they would see that as an opportunity to fill those chairs with other disciples, others from this area that don't know you and can come hear your gospel. Father, I pray that you would bless New Branch for the tremendous generosity in sending. Lord, that you would Reward, bless, Lord, we know that, uh, Lord, we know that churches don't always do it like this. As I've heard time and time again in talking with church, other church planters, Lord, this is a unique generosity from New Branch. And Father, we pray that you would bless them for that. Father, we pray that you would unite New Branch in the gospel, in the mission, glorifying God, making disciples of all nations. Lord, may they keep that, those words that Ken shared with us this morning, your glory, may that be in view at all times so that they understand why they are undertaking this hard work. God, I pray that you would maintain a special bond of kingdom work between New Branch and Antioch for years to come, Lord. Pray that we would be able in the future, down the road, to partner together 
on seeing other churches planted, that we would be partnered, able to partner together in kingdom work about your kingdom, not about any individual church's territory, Lord, but about your kingdom. I pray that you would do that work through us in the future. Lord, we're grateful for all that you've done. Lord, we pray that you would uh, continue to work through the ministry of New Branch, and particularly through uh, these elders and my faithful brother, Ken. pray that in Jesus' name. All right, guys, you can go ahead and um, have a seat uh, for this next part because I want, I want us all to be a part of this. So in the past, as we, when we've had the opportunity to commission a missionary or a church planter to go out from us and be, you know, one family, a couple families, uh, this morning is different. And so instead of inviting everyone to stand up here, um, I want you to stand right where you are so that we can gather around you and pray over you in just a moment. So if you are being sent out from us as a part of the Antioch core team, I want to ask that you would stand right now, right where you are. And I just have a few words, as you can probably imagine, to extend to each of you guys. First of all, it has been an honor and a privilege serving as your pastor. And I'm so thankful that we get to send these four qualified, able, and gifted men to whom we could now entrust the shepherding care to their hands. But it has been an absolute joy and privilege and honor to be one of the ones that's called upon to shepherd you. I want to thank you for your faithfulness to the mission, your generosity in the gospel, and your partnership in all that we have undertaken for God's glory. I'm proud of you for saying yes, for your willingness to do a hard thing, and I want to remind you that you're ready for this. You're ready for this because as we've said so many times, you're not doing this alone. This God of all glory walks with you. He's with you as you go to what is unknown and uncomfortable. And you have faithful elders that are walking alongside you. You're ready. You're ready for this. We will miss you dearly. It will not be the same here or in our homes or in our base groups without you present. But the reason why we picked those prints is because you have left a thumbprint on our lives. And we will never forget that. And it is only for that reason that we can entrust you into God's care as you go to plant Antioch Church. So my exhortation to you is go glorifying God and making disciples. That's what we've been about from the very beginning. 
glorifying God by making disciples. Church, keep doing that. Keep doing that. I want to read Philippians chapter 1. These are the words of the Apostle Paul. He makes reference to the fact that he's in chains, so I'm not in chains, but I do feel like my heart resonates with the Apostle Paul as he says these words over this flock. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always and in every prayer of mine, for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you, he will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Church family, those who are part of sending covenant members from New Branch, I want you to stand alongside these brothers and sisters and their family. And I want you to lay a hand on them as we offer a prayer on their behalf. God, we thank you so much for these precious saints. Thank you for what they mean to us. Thank you for the thumbprint that you have allowed them to make on our lives. Father, we, we feel sadness because we're going to miss them dearly. But Father, we, we return this thanks to you because you're the one who brought them into our lives. And Father, as I look out on this congregation and consider all the stories of your sovereign plan and bringing them to, to intersect with our lives, all we can do is say, thank you, Lord, for these precious saints. Thank you for your goodness in allowing us to cross paths. And Father, there. They're not moving, they're not going anywhere, but we know it will be different. That week in, week out, day in, day out relationship, it won't be the same. But Father, as we've said this morning, you're worth that. Your fame, the fame of your son Jesus among the nations is worth that sadness. And so, Father, we release them, we, we set them apart, we commission them, we send them 
with full confidence in your sovereignty and your grace and kindness. And we ask, Father, that you would use them in a mighty way. Keep their hand firmly gripped to that plow. And Father, may that plow reap a harvest of souls for your glory. Father, we want to brag on you till our dying breath. And so we send our dear brothers and sisters so that you can use them in that way. We entrust them, Father, to your care. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.